Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name which is above every other name, in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your word that is life to us and health to all of our flesh. Father, we turn our hearts towards you to receive from your word by your spirit. Thank you that you teach every one of us, that you reveal to every one of us, that you demonstrate to every one of us. We thank you for the power of your word, and we thank you for your anointing. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, does anybody know what today is? Today is Pentecost Sunday. You know, 40 days after the resurrection uh, comes Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit was poured out and poured into the church. Jesus said, um, wait until you be filled with power from on high. Wait until you be filled with power from on high. So what they did is they went up into the upper room, and when they were all together in one place... Uh, something happened. So let's go to Acts chapter uh, 2 and we'll read that real quickly here. Acts chapter 2. And I'm going to read verse uh, 1 through 4. Acts chapter 2 verse 1 through 4. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were with one accord in one place. That's almost a miracle in itself. (laughs) Wait a minute, they all came... (laughs) It must have been like Easter. Okay, so they all came, and they were all in agreement. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared cloven tongues like as a fire, and set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Some translations say, as the Spirit supplied. So they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit supplied. And then Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17 through 22. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17 through 22. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves to one another. Yes, that's in the Bible. In the fear of God. So he's not submitting yourselves to one another in fear of people, but in fear of God, because we know the awesomeness of God. And uh, wives, submit yourself to your husbands. Okay, the reason, I, the reason I went ahead and uh, went into the, well, because when I was studying, the Lord prompted me to do it, but anyhow, <laughs> wives submit yourselves to your husbands. Well, you know, like, uh, sometimes that might not be comfortable on your flesh. Actually, if, if you read there, submit yourselves to, the, to your husbands in the Lord. Uh, so, so one thing is, uh, if your husband is having you do something that's not in the Lord, uh, there, you do not submit to your husband when he has you do something not in the Lord. And uh, if you actually read the context, I don't want to take the time because that's not the main subject, but you know, it's the easiest thing in the world to submit to love. Because this love is not saying me, 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 me. This love is saying you, 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 you. This love is saying, what can I? In fact, the example that we're given is the example of the love of Christ 
when he died on the cross, gave up his life for the church. He said, so men ought to love their wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. So, uh, if anybody got some weird, unscriptural, unbiblical ideas about submission, man, it's the, it is the greatest pleasure in the world to submit to the will of God for your life. It is the greatest pleasure in the world to submit to one another in the fear of the Lord. It is the greatest pleasure I could imagine, because I'm not a woman, to submit to a godly, loving husband who sacrifices for his wife like Christ sacrificed for the church. Amen. So we're not talking about some self-centered, selfish, what I can get out of it, serve me, obey me kind of stuff that comes out of the pit of hell. (laughs) It's going to cost you, husband, something to have your wife submit to you. It's a responsibility more than it is a privilege. Well, that's extra. Praise the Lord, but I like that. (laughs) But how are you going to do that? How are you going to submit to one another? How are you going to submit to your husband? Well, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. (laughs) How am I going to submit to him? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Get full, be being filled. Literally, if you look at the original language, which was originally written in Greek, it, it says it's a, um, it denotes a present tense filling. Be being filled. Not I have been filled. No, I am being filled. Why, why do you do what you do? I'm being filled right now. I'm being filled right now. Well, you, you ever notice the more filled with the Holy Ghost you are while you're being filled, all of a sudden, you become so thankful. You see, it says right there, be filled, speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, uh, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always in all things. Not for all things, but in all things. And so, be being filled, speaking, and part of your speaking is giving thanks. There's psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. We'll probably talk about that another time. Uh, but those are, that's divine words from heaven. Just like you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit give utterance. But actually, you, more than just tongues, that's the initial evidence. That's the biblical initial evidence of that you're filled with the Spirit. But then actually, that, I love that. I love to pray in other tongues. Uh, uh, I love being filled with the Spirit. Because it gets me so far beyond where I would limit myself in my natural thinking and what I could figure out. It actually gets me over into the realm of the spirit, the things of God. God is a spirit, John chapter 4. And they that worship him, worship means draw near as to kiss. So you're coming, you're open, you're vulnerable. And so they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. For the Father is looking or seeking out, actually, people to worship him like this. Uh, so there is, there is something about the New Testament believer worshiping and, and coming that you must be filled with the Spirit to appropriately worship. And you draw near to him, and he draws near to you, and you become so conscious, so much more conscious of him, 
of His Word, of His goodness. Don't tell me that you were worshiping the Lord and you come out with a sour face. Where were you? I was worshiping the Lord. You know, in His presence is fullness of joy. You might come out laughing. <laughs> but certainly you're going to come out with an overwhelming understanding or quickening concerning the grace of God and the mercy of God and the goodness of God and the open arms of God. You don't come out like, I am the only privileged one and you, you peasants well, could never experience this because you're not as special as me. You did not, I don't know who you're fellowshipping with, but I know who you were not fellowshipping with because you get close to God and people, people look so much better to you well, you, you, you kind of don't fellowship with the Lord, and you're like, I don't, I don't like my coworkers. They annoy me. They are so annoying. Uh, and my wife's even annoying. My kids, they're kind of annoying too. Like, you know what? I'm annoying myself. That reminds me of the story Pastor Dwayne would always tell. He said, uh, you got the guys eating some... Uh, uh, had a beard and mustache and he was eating a piece of Limburger cheese some of that cheese got caught in his mustache and he is uh, in the kitchen just having that snack and he's like oh, it stinks in this kitchen this kitchen stinks he uh, I'm going to get out of here goes into the living room the living room stinks goes into his bedroom bedroom stinks He's like, I get out of this house. This whole house stinks. Goes outside and he's like, the whole world stinks. <laughs> well, he's thinking it's the problem with the room, the kitchen. It's the problem with the living room. It's a problem with the bedroom. It's a problem with the house. Now it's a problem with the world. Well, no, it, the problem was right on him. Actually, it was kind of like probably touching his mouth. <laughs> Normally, our problem is our mouth. Yeah. <laughs> James said, actually... Yeah. You know, you can figure out how to tame any kind of animal. Man has learned how to tame every wild animal, every wild beast. But the tongue, boy, the tongue, oh, it's full of deadly poison. <laughs> it's set on fire of hell. No man can tame the tongue. Well, you know, one great way to tame the tongue is to get filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Well, because... Uh, when you're filled with the Spirit, well, Jesus gave us a divine command. Right. Wait until you be filled with power from on high, and you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the very farmost places of the earth, the uttermost parts of the earth. Well, when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, first sign that you're filled with the Holy Spirit is you begin to speak in other tongues. Well, you can't speak in other tongues without yielding to the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14 that he that speaks in unknown tongues speaks not to men but to God. Howbeit in the Spirit, or in the Spirit, however in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. And the Bible says that the utterance or the words, the tongues, actually come from God, not, not, not from us. So um, I'm going to give you, we'll go to some of these scriptures in just a second if we have time. And so, um, you know, 
uh, I was uh, born again for quite a few years until I was uh, 21 years old. I got born again at, at the age of four, and uh, thank the Lord. And I, I didn't know you could be filled with the Spirit. But something happened to me around 20 years old. I, I kind of, I got serious about the things of God, and then I got hungry. And uh, I got thirsty. I got hungry and I got thirsty. Remember Jesus said, uh, I believe over, it's over in John. Let me find the exact reference for you. John chapter 4, verse 13. Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst. But the water that I will give him will be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And then chapter 7, verse 37 through 39. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, I like a Donald G., old, old uh, believer over in Europe, he has a sermon called, When Jesus Shouted. This is when Jesus shouted. So he, he stood up um, on the day, the Feast of Tabernacles is what it really was. And uh, really what happened is they would be at the, at the steps of the temple, the top of the steps of the temple, and they've had all these jars, and the jars were all filled with water. And... Uh, uh, at the culmination of that feast of tabernacles, which of course represented when God would come to live inside of mankind, they would take these vessels full of water and they would knock them all over at the top of the stairs and that water would come cascading down stair after stair after stair after stair, uh, representing, of course, the day of Pentecost when God would pour out his spirit on all flesh. And your sons and daughters would prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Not just on you, but also on your servants will I pour out of my spirit in those days uh, the prophecy of Joel. And so uh, I got hungry and I got thirsty. And I'm like, there, there must be something else. And, you know, I first noticed it when I would pray. So I would pray and, uh, uh, to the Lord. And when I pray... I'd pray about everything I knew to pray. And uh, then I would get to the point where I'm kind of like, there's something, I don't know, it's just a knowing on the inside. You ever uh, like uh, kind of say something and then uh, somebody distracted you, you didn't like finish the whole thing that you were saying and you're like, oh, what was I saying? And they'll say, was it this? No, no, it wasn't that. Was it this? No, no, it wasn't that. Was it? No, no, it wasn't that. And sometimes you lose it and you're like, I lost it. Well, because it wasn't from your head, it's, you know, many times it's from your heart. And so, <laughs> so I, I was hungry, and I would pray, and I would kind of like, it's like I kind of go down a road, and I get to the part in that road where I'm like, I need to go further, but I don't know how to go any further. And I would do that time and time again. And so I, I would go, and I would uh, pour out my heart to the Lord, and then I would get an awareness that I needed to say or do something else. But I, I couldn't do it, and I didn't know how to do it. And I, I was like, oh, I had this hunger that I, I couldn't fulfill, spiritual hunger. And so um, 
in that in that time frame, we went to a, a Charlotte, uh, North Carolina. There was a, a concert happening, and uh, so the day, the night before this concert uh, was December thirtieth, uh, nineteen ninety-seven. That tells you how old I am. So, um, so my friends are there, and uh, his parents were there. Him and his wife and his parents. I was single at that time. And they said, uh, she's like, would you guys like to be filled with the Spirit? And I'm like, well, I don't, I don't know about that. You know, I, I knew a little bit about it, but I didn't know. I knew, let's see here, there was so much more I didn't know than what I did know. And what I did know was just so little and wasn't all scripturally based. It was more from like, oh, I heard pers- this person say this and this person say that. But I hadn't taken a lot of time myself to discover. And, and that's really where you grow is when you take time yourself to discover so I was born again, and uh, so when they asked me, would you like to be filled with the Spirit, I, I just spoke before I thought, which is not common for me. But I didn't even realize I was unconsciously led, and I was speaking actually from my heart. I said, well, I don't know. I just feel like I'm in church, and I need to go to the altar. You know, come to the front, seek the Lord. They used to do that more. Uh, maybe that's why they had less problems. Okay, and so... When I heard those words come out of my mouth, I don't know. I just feel like I'm in church. I need to go to the altar. Well, I was born of the Holy Spirit. He recreated me. He recreates every believer. When you get born again, the Holy Spirit is the the, uh, working part of God, the working person of God who does the work and recreates you, makes you a new person in Christ Jesus. So I, I knew that, and I guess I had an awareness when, when we'd have services and people would go and give their lives to the Lord, I, I kind of sometimes would even know, like, oh, people are going to do that, and sometimes I'd know exactly how many people would do it, you know, not because I'm so smart, but because, you know, just, I guess you get conscious of the things of the Spirit. And so when I heard myself say that, I said, oh, yes, yes, I do want to be filled. Why? Because the same Spirit who recreated me is the same spirit that you get filled with when you get filled with the Holy Spirit. And so I had the same witness on the inside. And so then I got filled with the Spirit. All right, let's go real quickly uh, to uh, four scriptures in the book of Acts. We already read Acts chapter 2, verse 4, but I will uh, reiterate it real quickly. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Let's go to Acts chapter 8, verse 12 through 19. But when they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself uh, baptized also. And he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered beholding the miracles and signs which were done. And when the apostles that were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they were come down, prayed for them. So they've already received the word of God and believed, right? Who, when they heard, came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen Upon none of them, he had perfect balance up to that point. I'm just kidding. (laughs) And they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, 
and they received the Holy Ghost. Verse 18, and when Simon saw, when Simon saw, so he saw something, that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, give me also this power, that on whoever I lay hands they may receive the Holy Ghost. So actually he saw something that was evidence to him that they received the Holy Ghost. Well, he saw them speak with other tongues. Let's read the other verses real quick. Um, <laughs> you know, you would think, wouldn't you, if God was involved? I mean, if God was involved, wouldn't things just work automatically? I mean, if, if healing was of God, wouldn't you just be healed? Well, interesting, you see Simon here. He has the wrong attitude. He's like, hey, I'm going to give you money. Give me this gift so I can just do what I want to with this. And they're like, you got the wrong attitude, dude. But yet it said he was born again. Filled with the Spirit. So just because somebody's born again and filled with the Spirit doesn't mean you can trust them. <laughs> you should be able to. Well, you never lose your will. You never lose a choice. You can choose to do right or you can choose to do wrong. Big difference is your nature is different. When you get born again, you have the nature of God. You have a good nature. You have a right nature. Uh, you're, you're, in other words, you can enjoy doing a lot of things that you should, know you should not do before you're born again and just like really enjoy it. But the second you get born again, you try to do the same things, you're going to become the most frustrated, one of the most frustrated people around. Why? Because you're gratifying things of your flesh, maybe even reason, the realm of reason, but your spirit the whole time is like, I'm not going along with that. What are you doing? I do not want to do that. Your, your nature has changed. You got a new nature. <laughs> Somehow I was talking to recently, they recently born again, and they were so happy. And they're like, man, this is effing wonderful. And I thought that was wonderful. I thought that was wonderful. Why? Because your spirit gets changed, but your language doesn't always immediately change. But you start saying that enough times, and you're kind of like, huh, you know, when I say that, I kind of get uncomfortable when I say that. Maybe I'll stop saying that. Never bothered me before. Why? Well, you, something happened on the inside that was a complete change. Christianity is never about changing the outside to affect the inside. It is you change the inside of a man, you change the inside of a woman, and the rest will take care of itself. You can't clean yourself up good enough. I mean, if you want a natural illustration of it, just do everything you can in front of the mirror and see if you find any flaws left over. You're like, I got everything but that. I guess that's good enough. Oh, let me put some paint over that. Oh, let me do this. Let me do that. You know, let me hold my breath like this. 
on my chest out like this. Wait a minute, you're taking an Instagram picture? <gasps> but however, however, however they do all that, you know. Here, somebody like, tape it up, tape it back. Uh, let's just Photoshop. Let's just fix it. <laughs> Jesus said it's actually not what's outside of a man that defiles him. It's what's inside. All right. Let's go to uh, a third example. Acts chapter 3, verse 10. I'm um, excuse me. Acts chapter 10, verse 44. Acts chapter 10, verse 44. And while Peter yet spoke these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them that heard the word. Well, that's interesting. I never in my life noticed that. The Holy Ghost didn't fall on everybody. The Holy Ghost fell on them that heard the word. Well, just hearing the word in your head is not the same thing as hearing the word. Them that heard the word, right? The Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished. That means, you know, the Jew, Jewish believers, they were astonished when they saw this because on the Gentiles was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. We thought this was just for us Jews, he's saying. I'm like 4% uh, Jewish. <laughs> in the natural, but in the spiritual, I'm 100%. Just like every other believer. All right. Um, he's not a Jewish one outwardly, but inwardly. Because on the Gentiles was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Verse 46. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Look at that. That's a great reason to speak in other tongues because you magnify God. I think in 1 Corinthians 14 it says, he that speaks in unknown tongues magnifies or does give thanks well and magnifies the Lord. Well, I want to do something that magnifies the Lord because you know what? God doesn't get any bigger. But in my, in my vision, he can, get, he can be really small and the devil really big, which is a lie, which is natural vision. Or, man, you begin to magnify the Lord. Come magnify the Lord with me, David said, and let us exalt his name together. When you start to magnify the Lord instead of the problem or the situation, your perspective changes. You know, like, do you know how much, you know how much I'd pay for gasoline? You, you know how much it costs for premium gasoline? Not as much as diesel. I think I probably got all you beat that filled up in this area because like a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago now, I filled up for $6.20 a gallon. Well, I can magnify that. I can talk about, oh, this, that, or I can say, you know what? The Bible says God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the earth and the fullness thereof, all the Lord's, everything he created on the earth, he created for his children, for his family, the gold, the silver, all of that. And God is my source and God is my supply. 
And I don't know how it's coming. I don't know when it's coming. But I know I will be supplied and I will be provided for. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things. Well, that's a thing. So all these things will be added unto you. The Lord will make a way where it seems like there is no way. In weakness, his strength is made perfect. Lord, I seem weak to be able to fill this up. But in this situation, then your strength is made perfect. You get so inspired, you turn to the person at the pump next to you and say, let me fill her up for you. <laughs> you come whining, complaining too close to my pump, I'm going to fill your pump up. Why? I re- because I want to bless you, and also I absolutely refuse to let the devil steal. Right. I'm going to steal my thought life. Not going to get me saying, oh, I can't do it, I can't, you know, somebody... I want to stop that person from saying all that and experiencing all that and say, look, the Lord blessing you through my hands right now. The Lord loves you. He will provide for you. Get them off that. The long as they keep speaking that, I don't know how I'm going to live. I don't know how I'm going to have money. They're going to live in that reality. They're going to create that reality in their attitude, in their words, and then in their actions. They're going to act poor. They're going to act out lack. And then they're going to experience it. Jesus said, you will have whatever you say when you believe what you say comes to pass. Mark eleven twenty three. All right. Acts chapter 11. Oh, there's Acts chapter 11, verse 15. And as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning. Then I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Ghost. For as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us, who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? Well, that's kind of how... Maybe not as boldly as he said it, but that's kind of how I felt. You know, I got filled with the Holy Spirit and didn't really understand a lot of things that were going on. But who was I to withstand God? Oh, I didn't understand the... um, I'm going to go there, I think, before I do that last verse. And um, the tremendous blessing... No, I'm going to do that. (laughs) When they heard these things, they also uh, held their peace and glorified God, saying then... Has God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life? You know, to be filled with the Spirit, you must be born again. You must be born again. And there's no worry that uh, when you ask the Lord to fill you with His Spirit that you're going to get some evil spirit because Jesus actually addressed this over in the Gospel of John. And He said, if, if you ask the Father for the Holy Spirit... Like if your child asked a father for a gift, he's not going to give him a serpent or a scorpion. How much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those that ask him? And so, and serpents and scorpions actually are a type of uh, demonic things. And so uh, when you ask the Lord for the Holy Spirit, you're going to get the Holy Spirit. You're not going to get the unholy spirits. You're going to get the Holy Spirit. Uh, Acts chapter 19, verse 1 through 6. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth... Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples, he said to them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said to him, 
we haven't even heard whether there be a Holy Ghost. You know, in other words, receive the Holy Ghost? We haven't even heard that there's a Holy Ghost. What on earth are you talking about? He said, I'm talking about something in heaven that came down to earth. <laughs> and, sorry. Um, and he said to them, Unto then what were you baptized? And they said, well, we were baptized at John's baptism. And then Paul said, John verily baptized the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him which should come after him. That's on Jesus Christ. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus because they had already believed. John's baptism was different than a believer's baptism. So believer's baptism, you're baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name, if that makes some people more comfortable. <laughs> when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. And so uh, it's very biblical that when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, the initial evidence is that you begin to speak in other tongues. Now, I did not begin to shout in other tongues. I actually began to whisper in other tongues. And uh, maybe that's just because my personality or whatever, but that just, that's just how uh, I received when I did receive. And um, as we said over in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul said, be being filled. So there is an initial infilling, but there is a continual filling that every believer needs to live in. And, and let me give you, uh, just real quickly, a few examples. I love uh, reading after Smith Wigglesworth. And uh, somewhere in my notes, I put some quotes from him. <laughs> All right, just listen to a couple quotes, you know. You might pay attention to somebody that went before you that the Lord used to raise more than 23 people from the dead. Uh, in his book, Ever-Increasing Faith, he said, I am not moved by what I see. I am moved only by what I believe. No man looks at appearances if he believes. No man considers how he feels if he believes. The man who believes God has it. Every man who comes into the Pentecostal experience can laugh at all things and believe God. <laughs> you ought to get so filled with the Holy Ghost that you lose your mind. <laughs> you know, your mind is such a tremendous blessing when it is submitted under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. When you have the mind of Christ, you think His thoughts, uh, you pick up things that he wants you to learn, that he wants you to know. But you put your mind first, your mind as Lord. Well, well, you come up with all kind of crazy ideas like you see in the world. Lots of ideas. The wisest people in the world are the most foolish if you look. Their ideas are foolish. You think, how can anybody believe that? That's the result of a mind that will not submit to God. That is the result of a mind that refuses to acknowledge God. Just because somebody studies something for years and years and spends hundreds of thousands of dollars to learn it doesn't mean it's true. Does not mean it's truth. 
All truth comes from God. Every man who comes to this Pentecostal experience can laugh at all things and believe God. There is something in the Pentecostal work that is different from anything else in the world. Somehow in Pentecost, you know that God is a reality. Oh, that's something I, I noticed. The more I yield myself to the Lord and uh, pray in other tongues, the more real God becomes, the things of God become, the Word of God becomes, the more you're lit on fire by the Lord and by the Spirit of the Lord, and the more you're kind of like, are there any mountains over here? Because I would like to move a mountain. Give me a mountain like Joshua and Caleb. Everybody else is like, that is a, whoa, uh, that's a big deal. How can we do that? Do you see how big? Come on. Sometimes prosperity overwhelms you. Yeah, they're overwhelmed by the giants, but they're like, these grapes clusters are so big it took two men to carry one. Well, they're overwhelmed by that. But man, they had the spirit of faith. They said, give me this mountain. Joshua, we are well able to possess the land. Hmm. You know, actually, Canaan's land that they were to go in to possess, there were giants in the land. But you know, Canaan's land was not a type of heaven. Canaan's land is a type of the believer who is filled with the Holy Ghost. But you go into that land, it flows with milk and honey, but there's some giants in the land, uh, and some of those giants are your thoughts that have never been changed by the Word of God. I love Isaiah 28, 11 and 12. Let's turn there real quick. Isaiah 28, 11 and 12. Thank you, Lord. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people, to whom he said, This is the rest, and this is the, uh, let's see, this is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, stammering lips and another tongue. Now, my favorite part of that verse that I didn't notice for a couple years when I first started reading that verse, yet they would not hear. Are you talking about all that tongue stuff? Are you talking about all that tongue stuff? Ah, I don't need all that. I figure anything Jesus says that I need, I need. Because how I look at it, he has more wisdom than I do. <laughs> so this is the rest this is the refreshing. What? Praying in other tongues. Being filled with the Spirit. What happens? Well, like Wigglesworth said. It, it, how did he say that? Everyone, every man who comes into, the, into this experience can laugh at all things and believe God. In other words... You get filled with the Spirit and this, these challenges. You know your problems don't change when you're filled with the Spirit, but how you see them does. 
Do you know God doesn't change when you're filled with the Spirit, but how you see Him does? All of a sudden, you look at, before you look at your situation, you look at God and, you know, it's a balance, if it's a balance beam, the situation is like way down here weighing everything down and like causing God to move to improper place. And boy, all of a sudden, you start to pray in other tongues and these things become real. The reality of these things happen. All of a sudden, it goes the other way, brother. And you're like, before you're like the 10 spies who are like, oh, we're going to get devoured by the land and by the people. Uh, we look just so tiny like grasshoppers to them and even to us compared to them. That's how we look. But all of a sudden, you get filled with the Holy Spirit. You begin to you look at the exact same situation and you sound like Joshua and Caleb and you said, we are well able to possess the land. Yeah, we see the giants. We see the problems. We see the things that could cause fear if we didn't have God on our side. But we see God. Remember, they, they actually tore their clothes and started crying, Joshua and Caleb. They're like, don't talk like that. Don't do that. God is with us. He will give us victory. He said it's our land. We will go and possess it. Praise the Lord. So how, somehow... In this, you know God is a reality. Wherever the Holy Spirit has the right of way, the gifts of the Spirit will be in manifestation. Where did those last seven minutes go? Okay. <clears throat> and where the gifts are never in manifestation, I question whether he's present. Pentecostal people are never satisfied with non-Pentecostal meetings. We want none of the entertainments that some of the other churches are offering. When God comes in, I love this quote, he'll entertain us himself. <laughs> Uh, another quote, it is a luxury to be filled with the Spirit, and at the same time, it is a divine command. Not to be filled with wine or in its excess, but be filled with the Spirit. No Pentecostal person ought to get out of bed without being lost in the Spirit and speaking in tongues as the Spirit gives utterance. No one should come into the door of an assembly without speaking in tongues or having a psalm or a note of praise. We emphasize that at the incoming of the Spirit, He should so fill us that the last member of the body is yielded to Him so that... No one is baptized in the Spirit without speaking in tongues as the Spirit gives utterance. And I maintain that with a constant filling, you will speak in tongues morning, noon, and night. As you live in the Spirit, when you walk down the steps of the house where you live, the devil will have to go out of the way before you. You will be more than a conqueror over the devil. I see everything a failure except that which is done in the Spirit. But as you live in the Spirit, you love, you act, you eat, you drink, you do everything to the glory of God. Our message is always be filled with the Spirit. This is God's place for you, and it is as far above the natural as the heavens are above the earth. I could not have said it better myself. <laughs> All right, let me do one more for you. The most important thing, the one thing that counts is to see that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled to overflowing. Anything less than this displeases God. We are commanded by God to be filled with the Spirit. And in the measure that you fail of this, you are that far short of the plan of God for your life. The Lord would have us moving on from faith to faith, from glory to glory, from fullness to overflowing. It is not good for us to ever be thinking in the past tense. Amen. 
But we should be moving on to the place where we dare to believe God. He has declared that after the Holy Spirit has come upon us, we shall have power. I believe there's an avalanche of power from God to be apprehended if we will but catch the vision. Paul wrote at one time, I will come now to visions and revelations. God has put us in a place where he expects us to have his latest revelation. The revelation of that marvelous fact, Christ in us. And what that really means. We can comprehend Christ fully only as we are filled and overflowing with the Spirit of God. Our only safeguard from dropping back into the natural mind from which we can never receive anything is to be filled and yet filled again with the Spirit of God and to be taken on to visions and revelations on a new line. The reason why I emphasize the importance of the fullness of the Holy Spirit is that I want to get you beyond all human plans and thoughts and into the fullness of vision, into the full revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you want rest? It is in Jesus. Do you want to be saved from everything the devil's bringing up in these last times? Receive and continue in the fullness of the Spirit and he will be forever revealing to you uh, all you need for all times are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Stand with me if you would. If you're here this morning and you have never given your life to Jesus, you are not automatically a Christian. You are not automatically saved. I don't care, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't care what your family pedigree is. If you from, come from a family of ministers or you come from a family of heathens, Every individual must make an individual choice, an individual decision. The Bible says as many as received Jesus, to them he gave the right to be the children of God. You must receive the Lord Jesus Christ to be born again, to become part of the family of God. When you die, when you've received Jesus, you will go to heaven. If you die, you've never received Jesus, you will go to hell. It, it, it is two completely different places. You will live forever somewhere. And I'm inviting you this morning to live forever in the presence of God, in the family of God. That is the will of God for every person on the face of the earth. No matter where you're from, no matter where you were born, God loves you. And he has a plan for you. But God is love. And because he is love, even though his will for your life is to be part of his family, for you to be set free from uh, the power of the devil and even the things of the world, he will never force you to come to him. He invites you. He invites you with an invitation of love, saying, I've already taken care of your sins have already taken care of the problem. That will become real for you when you receive Jesus as your Lord, when you receive the Son of God as Lord. Romans chapter 10 tells us, if you believe in your heart, not your head, but your heart, that God raised Jesus from the dead, and you say that with your mouth because you believe it in your heart, that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. With the heart you believe and you're made right and with the mouth you confess and you're saved so we're talking about something from your heart 
One of the best ways I know to locate your heart is if you, if you mess up and you kind of offend someone and you need to ask them forgiveness. When you're asking them and you really mean it, that has to come from your heart. When you forgive someone that has offended you and you really mean it, that has to come from your heart. When you receive the Lord Jesus, you must receive from your heart. You must confess with your mouth from your heart. You don't have to understand all of the hows. You just have to know, wait a second, I believe the Spirit of God is moving on me now, and I'm going to respond to Him. I'm going to take an act of faith, and I'm going to turn my life over to the Lord. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're online, if you're here in the room, God loves you. He has a plan for your life. Many things happen in life that our minds can't wrap around. But God's plan for you is a good plan. He's not trying to harm you. He's not trying to hurt you. He's trying to set you free. He's trying to give you real life. The only place you find that is in Christ. If you would like to give your life to the Lord, I want you to slip up your hand right now with nobody else looking around. And I want to pray with you and I want to pray for you. God loves you. He has made a way for you. Online, you could just hit the, the button on the screen there. Let's pray together, all believers, with those that are receiving the Lord right now. We're going to pray a prayer, and I want you to agree in your heart and say it with your mouth. Say, oh God, I believe Jesus Christ is your son and that he died on the cross to take away my sins. So I could be right with you. Jesus, I take you as my Lord and my Savior. I'm not going to live for myself anymore. I'm going to live for you for the rest of my life. Thank you for saving me. Fill me right now with your spirit, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. In Jesus' name, amen.